0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: Well, Tina Turner, back in the day, made this song so famous, really in 1984, when she asked that infamous question, what's love got to do with it? Okay. Now, some of you here go, I have never heard that song. Others of you go, yep, I know exactly what Tina was talking about. Now, here's what we need to understand, okay? Now, I know that Tina was asking this question for a different reason than you and I will be focusing today. You go, what do you mean? Well, if you listen closely to the lyrics... Tina actually, well, she sort of downplays the significance of love. As a matter of fact, if you listen to the lyrics, she actually says that love is a second-hand emotion, and then she goes on to say that it's a sweet old-fashioned notion. And I think Tina, if you listen to the song, was right in one sense. The way love today is so flippantly used in our society that it really could be categorized as a, simply a second-hand emotion. And if I look at the world today, I really realize that there are a lot of people who kind of feel that way because we use that term rather uh, flippantly. I love you. I love pizza. I love ice cream. I love, I love, I love. And so we sort of use that and, and then she asked the question, "Well, what's love got to do with it? But here's the thing. The scripture, guys, the scripture teaches us a different way. It teaches us a love, listen to this, that's so amazing, so pure, so honest that we have to do all to possess this kind of biblical love. This is what we should do. So the question is, what's love got to do with it? And of course, you can jot this down, everything, everything. And that's what Paul is trying to teach the Corinthian church. That's what Paul's trying to see. For you see, we come to chapter 13, and chapter 13 is actually sandwiched nicely between he's been teaching us the gifts of the Holy Spirit in chapter 12, and then he's going to teach us more of the gifts in chapter 14, but Paul writes, without love, without biblical love, then we're simply going through the motions. Now... If we look at chapter 13, it's really easy to just kind of go, hey, let's talk about love. Let's talk. This is what love is. But, but, but the Lord just impressed upon my heart so much that in, in order to fully understand these next 13 verses, we need to break up the teaching in two parts. That's why we're only doing verses one through three. You say, well, Ben, what are we going to do today? Well, if you're taking note, let, let me just kind of set the stage, okay? Today, we're going to look at what biblical love looks like. This is what biblical love, now you go, Ben, if you're going to teach biblical love, we'll be here all day and it's the Super Bowl. I mean, come on. No, no, no. I'm only going to hit a few things, but I want to show you because the whole book is love. But I want to show you guys, I want to show you again as we look at this verses one through three, and we're gonna look over at first John and and so we gotta get a good understanding. Amen. We gotta get a good understanding of what love is. I I, I wanna know what love is, okay? And so next week we're actually gonna see now listen, we're gonna look at how biblical love behaves. This is how it behaves. Now you go, I'm not sure what you mean. Okay, so this week, what it you know, basically what is biblical love? I, I want a good understanding, okay? Because if I want to ask the question, what does love have to do with it, or what's love got to do with it? Everything I want to know what it is. Okay? So but next week we're gonna see how it behaves. We consider actually everyone considers chapter thirteen, the love chapter. But it teaches us how to behave. Why? Because in verse 4, it actually starts off and says that love suffers long. There's there's an action behind it. This is what love does. This is how it behaves. It suffers long, and then it's going to give us a list. But in in order to get what Paul is teaching, we really have to do some work. So first, let me remind you what we've talked about in the last two weeks. Okay? Remember... Paul introduces us this topic of spiritual gift with with, with this statement in, in, in this one verse, right? In chapter 12, verse 1. He says, now, considering spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, that's important, okay? Because when he begins a new topic, he, he left the topic, remember, of, of the communion table. He's now thinking, okay, I need to answer this question. He says, now, listen, I love you guys so much. Listen, when it comes to spiritual gifts, and you go, well, Ben... In my Bible, gifts is in italics, which means it wasn't there in the original language. So what is Paul saying? He says, now, when it comes to spirituals, okay, and if you're taking note and 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 you just want to know what this is, the Greek rendering of spiritual or spiritual gifts is actually the plural pneumakita, pneumakita, it's P-N-E-U-M-A-T-I-K-A. Numakita. And what that means is basically anything, right? That means things pertaining to the Holy Spirit. So when Paul comes up, he says, Now listen, when it comes to things pertaining to the Holy Spirit, now here's what happens. We have a group of people go, Oh, time out, time out. I don't man, I've seen I've seen some crazy stuff on TV with the Holy Spirit or what they claim the Holy Spirit. Other people run over here and say, No, 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 no. We don't we 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 don't understand them, so we don't want to do them. But Paul says, No, no, no. Here's the one thing, Corinthian church, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want to be unaware. I want you to know. Why? Because if you recall, the Corinthians guys were a very carnal, fleshly church. But they had a zeal for the gifts of the Spirit, and specifically the gift of tongues, of speaking in tongues. The only problem, guys, if we look back, was that they were sort of misusing, sometimes abusing that gift. The gift of God, right? Now, I read somewhere this week, listen to what it says, quote, Cor- Corinth would desire the gift so much that they would actually make up things. They would actually babble, they'd actually make up gifts and even curse the Lord, claiming it was the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to step back. This is, this is what was kind of going on in Corinth. This is what most people believe that, that, that they wanted and they had a zeal so much for the Holy Spirit that, that they would just make up stuff and they would claim. And, I, and, and, and listen, that's not far fetched from what we see even today. There's some crazy stuff, in the, and, 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 and you're looking at it and you go, that's a church service? And I mean, it looks like a rock concert sometimes and people bouncing all over and you're just like, I don't understand. And it, and it freaks us out. This is what Corinth was doing. They were making up stuff. Right? And, and, and again, one of them says, listen, they were even, they were even cursing the Lord, if you will, calling him accursed under the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? So here's what we have to do. We have to put on our thinking caps, church. This church that Paul writes to was a mess. Okay? One example, one commentator said this. He said, under the power of the Holy Spirit, one would even call Jesus a curse. And Paul says, no, 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 no. This is where he writes in verse 3 of chapter 12. He says, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Holy Spirit will curse Jesus. He says, that's wrong. That's not the true Holy Spirit. And no one one can say that Jesus is Lord except By the Holy Spirit. Now, I could not imagine a church service where where they're calling Jesus a curse. But Paul writes and says, guys, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the true Holy Spirit. Another example, guys, was, was the Church of Corinth had this. Now, listen, this outward displays of spirituality. But they were missing the true point of Christianity, which was biblical love. Biblical love. Okay. So all this is going on in the church. And the rest of chapter 12, Paul sought to correct this church in things pertaining to the Holy Spirit. We call them spirituals or the writer says spiritual gifts. You go, okay. So he's going to say, let me, let me, let me correct this. Let me correct this. Okay. So what does he do? He talked about the gifts of the spirit. Now he reminds us that there are varieties of gifts. He says there are different ministries and there's diversity of activities, but the key to chapter 12, if you're taking note, is that we have one God and one spirit. One God and one spirit. Now, what does this mean? This means that for you and I, okay, we all have at least one gift, we all have one gift that operates in us. When you became born again, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, He bestowed upon you a gift. Okay? And you, and, 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 and sometimes it takes us a lifetime to figure out what that gift is, but we all, we know we all have one gift. And you go, well, what, what was the purpose? Why did God give me a gift? So that we can build up the body of Christ. Okay? Isn't that the most amazing thing? That the gift that He gives us is not for me, but for other people. So what kind of gifts? Like like, like what kind of gifts? Well, he, he uses this. You can check this out. It's, he, he says, now, now, some of you, have given you the gift of prophecy. Now, you know, can we shoot straight? There are times in our lives where we go, oh, that really freaks me out, right? Because thus saith the Lord. But if we break down the word, here's what it means. It really means that you're telling forth God's word. You're already telling forth. In other words, the gift of prophecy being used, it could be that you are a gifted communicator of God's holy word. And it means, man, and, and, and that gift is in operation. Wow, that God, God he's, he's given that, right? Or he says, no, the gift he gave you was the gift of administration. The gift of administration. You go, man, I just, I love organizing stuff. I love paperwork. It's just, man, I just got this gift. I just, it's just something in me. Right? And every time I mention administrations, there's nobody here that goes, Amen. They're like, Mm-mm. I don't want to sit behind a the desk. They put me behind a desk, right? Right? They just, no. But, but God may give you that. He also gives those the gift of helps, right? A gift of helps is that, is that when you see something, you go, Man, how can I help? You're just, that's in you. Okay? You're not looking and don't make eye contact. Just, I don't want to help. Don't, that's not you, okay? If, you, if you're doing that, you don't have that gift. But the gift of helps is, How can I help? What do you need? I will do everything that I can possibly do. Sometimes he gives the helps of giving, right? The, the gift of giving. It's just in you. You're just like, man, I just give, man. And, and I don't give so that, oh, well, let's see. If I give God 10 bucks, he's going to give me 100, right, God? We have this deal. You just give. And you give of your time, your resources, your, your tools, and which men don't do. you know. But that's the thing. We lend our tools, and we, we, have, a, we have a heart that gives. And we give of ourselves, too. What, what do I need to do? Some of us guys, he's given us the gifts of exhortation, the gifts of encouragement, okay? And and everywhere you get around, it's like, man, y- y- you're seeing the positive and you want to build people up. And even though they're at the lowest form, man, they're like, they're like at the bottom of the pit. You can say, man, that's okay. God still, you yeah. have, and it's just this great, and you know it's sincere. It's not somebody who's just trying to butter you up for something. It's like, man, good, man, I know God has this. He's, it's going to be awesome. Trust me, he's given some of you guys the gift of teaching to be able to exhort God's word through teaching. Some of us, he's given us the gift of leadership. The gift of leadership, man, taking, it, taking the leadership to the next level, having the mindset of, 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 of leadership. Now, here's the thing. I think leadership takes both. Like, like, listen, listen, here's the gift that God's given me. He's given me vision, okay? And so I get around my guys and I go, okay, guys, we're going over that mountain. And their question is how? And I go, I don't know. But we're going over that mountain. And it frustrates people because there's a lot of leadership that goes, I want to know How? I need to know the steps. I need to know what, do you realize this? And I'm like, I don't even think about that. I just know we're going, who's with me? And I need to have those people to go, okay, I'm with you. But have you thought of this? Have you thought of this? Have you thought, okay, so we're here. Yeah, let's get this obstacle out, boom. And they work hand in hand together. If we had a bunch of visionaries, we'd have a lot of vision, but nothing would get done. <laughs> what we we doing? I think we're going over that mountain. When did you try? About four years ago. There it is. Well, what are you doing? I'm waiting for somebody to move. No, you move. So leadership, you have that gift. and, And these are the gifts that God bestows on us. But also, check this out. According to the text, as a fully devoted follower of Christ, we have at least one gift. But sometimes God bestows on us a gift, guys, to build up the body of Christ for such a time that's needed. In other words, there's something that God wants to do, and so at that time, he might give you, say, the gift of wisdom, right? Somebody comes and asks you a question, and you're just like, and God just, you just have this incredible gift, okay, You might possess the gift of wisdom, but sometimes he uses it in a way. Sometimes it's a gift of knowledge. You're sitting here, you're praying for somebody, you guys know this, and God puts a word and you're just like, man, I'm not going to say this word, this is crazy, but it really is a gift of knowledge. Or God actually reveals to you what's going on in somebody's heart, in somebody's life that nobody else could, I mean, there's just no way. And the people look at you and go, "Uh." Now, listen, the gift of prophecy, the gift of wisdom and knowledge is often operated by, by the pastor behind the pulpit, okay? He'll say something and, and the church looks at him like, how did you know that about us? Were you listening? Were you, I, I did not tell, I didn't tell him. I just, you know, and, 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 and many, of, <laughs> many of couples have gotten in a fight on the way home. Why did you tell the pastor that? Wendy? Did, did you call him? No, I didn't, sweetie, I promise. Right, 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 you did. And, and you go home and no, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God loves you so much. God loves you so much that he, he wants you to just to grow. And there's are some areas in our lives that we have to take of, right? And so, again, it might be the gift of tongues or it might be the gift of healings. We still see that. I, I wish I had that gift, man. I'd go to UMC right now and be just, just healing people, but it's for God's glory. Now, he gives us certain other gifts like the gift of evangelism. There's a gift, right? It's a gift, Hey, how many of you want to get saved? Boom, 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 boom. I don't know how he did it. How did you do it? Well, it's God's gift through the power of the Holy Spirit. When I taught in Amarillo, I had somebody come up to me and goes, I don't know how you do it. And he says, our pastor gives an invitation, but when you do it, it's just different. Well, it's the gift of God. It's the gift of God moving through and... Remember what Paul taught us, guys, if you're taking note, look at verse 11. It says, it is, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So, so there are times you might have a gift, there might time God speaks to you, and then it, it's up to the Lord. And then we finished, guys, we finished chapter 12 last week with these verses. Look at verse 27. And it says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. What did he say? First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues. Then he asks us a question. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of of miracles? Do all have the gift of healings? Do all speak in tongues and do all interpret And of course we go, no, pastor, that's, that's, I get it. He's, he's saying that, right? So that's what we looked at last week, but then he stops and he kind of just puts the brakes and he says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I will show you a more excellent way. So what is Paul saying? Paul is going, hey, listen, you look, at, you look at apostles, you look at prophets, and you look at teachers, okay? These are all speaking forth God's word, okay? But then he, he comes and he says, okay, now, in that, there might be miracles, there might be healings, helps, administration, tongues, and so forth. But he says, now, that's all cool. But he says, but I want you to desire those gifts. And he says, but I'm going to show you a more excellent way. What's he saying? okay. Well, the first thing he tells us, guys, is that we should earnestly desire the best gifts. Can I get an amen? Because the Word of God tells us that we should desire the gifts of the Spirit. We should seek out the best gifts. We are called to encourage, to edify, to build up the body of Christ. The Corinthian church, guys, their problem was is they focused on the gift of tongues, but they really did it without interpretation. Okay? In verse 10, it says, To the one person, he gives the ability to speak in a strange language. To another, he gives the ability to explain what is said. So the interpretation. Paul's argument is that without interpretation, the gift doesn't benefit anyone. And it really doesn't. If somebody were to stand up in an afterglow service, done decently and in order, based upon scripture, and start speaking in tongues, you and I would go, we have no idea what they're saying. Unless somebody can interpret that, and we go, oh hey, hey, amen. What'd he say? I don't know. And he was talking. I mean, the first time I heard it, I, I just I didn't know what to think, man. I was like, wow. Okay, your brain tries to form what kind of language is that? I'm not sure. Was that what kind of dialect? I'm not sure what that is. And there has to be the proper interpretation. They were they were babbling, they were just trying to manifest the gifts. Okay? But Paul says to us guys to desire the best gifts in the body of Christ. You go, Ben, well, he, he mentions apostles. I don't think we have the gift of apostleship. I mean, that's sort of, you know, the apostles died out. Well, no, but, but the root word is missionary, being sent out, and I think we should desire being sent out, even if it is across the street to your neighbor to invite them to dinner. Sometimes we think of missionary I've got to get on a big airplane I've got to cross a big body of water and i've got to go i've got to go sometimes being a missionary guys is to the to to the people at work. sometimes being a missionary is to your next door neighbor. sometimes being a missionary is to the young girl at the grocery store who's just lost somebody, and so we should desire that gift Lord help me to to get out of my comfort zone. Well, they call it a comfort zone for a reason because it's comfortable. Yeah, but help me get out of that comfort zone so that I can be used by you. So I can build up the body of Christ. So are these gifts? These gifts, guys, are very, very important. Amen? And they are to edify the church. And yet, you would think, oh, that's enough. But Paul says, no, no, no. But listen, I'm going to show you something of greater value. Man, we talk about, can you imagine just, just the gifts of the Spirit being walking in the gifts, the power of the Holy Spirit, and Paul goes, but, but I've got to show you something of greater value. Greater value. Do you remember there was a movement going on back in the 80s and 90s, and, and, and here's how I was taught. I was taught that you had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was only one evidence, and the evidence was speaking in tongues. And, and that really freaked me out because I didn't really speak in tongues. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's wrong with me? But Paul says, no, 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 listen, it's it's going to go deeper than that. Listen, it's going to go deeper. Because the true evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit comes upon you to live inside you. Well, we know it's not just one gift. And here's what he says. He says, man, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Now, what is this excellent way? Well, in order to understand that, guys... We must understand what biblical love looks like. Now, the reason we need to understand this, guys, is so that we can apply it to our lives. That's the key, okay? Because knowledge puffs up. We don't want to just have a, like, yeah, I understand, I understand, Bible. I know, I know the Greek, I know the Hebrew, blah, blah, blah. But he says, but we have to apply it. This is, we should be living it out. And you go, oh, Ben, uh, okay, I get this, but but why? Here's why. You Ready? Because the world is looking for demonstrations of love. If our God is real, we must demonstrate his love in our lives. That's what the world's looking for. I was at the gym the other day, and and Nathalie introduced me to uh, a pastor who who pastors another church, and we got to talking, all three of us and four of us, and he said, you know, and and I think it was a Monday, and, and Nathalie says, how was church yesterday? Church was good. You know, people came, people gave money, and he said, but that's not what church is all about. He said, what people want is the real move of God's Holy Spirit. They want to see God real. And again, I was just kind of taken back because isn't that the truth, right? The world, guys, the world, even the church—they're—they're they're looking for a, a real demonstration of God's love. Paul's, John, Paul—he's going to tell us guys now. now listen, we got to chat. We got—we got to do some work because if the world is looking for the demonstrations, how is this going to happen? Well. If you're taking note, you need to jot down this question What is biblical love? What is biblical love? Well, go over to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to show you as John writes, right? You just got to love John. You got to love the Apostle John. Why? Because he was the dude that always had his head on Jesus's shoulder. I mean, he was always on his chest. He was the man. Listen, in, in one of John's final sermons, he was like probably about 180. No, he wasn't. I mean, he was old, right? And they bring him up to the pulpit. He could barely walk. This was his sermon. He comes up, right? This is the Apostle John, and he looks at the church, and here's his sermon. Ready? I'm going to give you all his sermon. He goes, just love one another. And he turns around and walks away. That was his whole sermon. Just, uh, this is John. So, so when we get love, we, this is John. Now, you'll know who John is when you get to heaven, because he'll probably be the one hugging on you. Who is this guy? It's John. I'm glad you're here. That's awesome. And then you could ask him if he was really boiled in oil and survived. I don't know. We'll just ask him. First John chapter four, notice, verse seven. He says, "Beloved." OK? So he's speaking to us. He says, "Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who love, who loves is born of God and knows God." Wow, that is a strong statement. What's he saying? He says, guys, we should be loving one another. Can I get an amen? Amen. Why? Okay, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Then he says, he who does not love, right, does not know God, for God is love. And in this, the love of God was manifested toward us that he sent his his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, also we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Okay, so what is biblical love? Well, let's break it down, okay? John says, listen, let me give you a good view. Now, again, we could spend the whole day on this, but listen, the very first thing I want you to understand, Brother Joe, you, 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 you helped me the other day, biblical love is a verb. You can see it right here, right? It is an action. It is a choice. That's what it is. And that's why biblical love is that we choose to love Jesus. Well, if, if God is love, why doesn't he just make everybody love him? That's not love, is it? That's not love. It's not love that my wife, as beautiful as she is, I can't make her love me. Listen, Nathalie, you're not going to eat. You're not going to drive that car. You're not going to do anything unless you love me. We can't do it, right? So, so why do we try that with God? It's a choice. It's an action. It's an action. Okay? And you go, why? Why? Well, notice what he says. He says, he who does not love, right? Who does, he does, who does not love does not know God. Why? He says, because God is love. Think about this. Think about what he's just saying. Man, I mean, this is, this is, this is heavy, biblical love. Okay, he's telling you and I that if we don't love, I'm not sure if you know God. I, I'm not sure. God is love. You would you would know, you would know. I can't think of a better example than than uh, Jesse's mom the other night when we were visiting with her. The example, is, she says, before she became a Christian, she looked at these little ladies as just, ah, uh, they were crass and hard, and then she got saved, and then she loved on these little ladies. There that's the, do you see? It was, there was a difference. How could one minute, one minute you're over here going, oh, these people bug me. I just don't, oh, they're always praying, and uh, get these Christians. And then you go, oh, I give my life to Jesus, and all of a sudden, these Christians are the most beautiful people in the world. Am I talking to anybody here? Isn't that what happens to us? The people you used to want to punch in the throat, you now want to hug. That's God, right? And so again, think about this. God, love, we know that it's a choice. Why? Because he doesn't force himself on anyone. Those who come to him do so in a response to his love. Isn't that key, right? The Bible says, it's your kindness, that leads us to repentance, oh Lord. I'll tell you what really bugs me. I don't know if it bugs you, but have you ever sinned and God blesses you? That's worse. Like when I do something really dumb, I just, okay, God, I know I'm done. Go ahead and spank me. But then he blesses me. I was like, oh, don't bless me. God, don't do that. That's worse because it's his kindness that leads me to Is What a great God we serve. The love of God, guys, shows kindness to all. So what does that mean? that God is love. Well, love is an attribute of God. Love is a core aspect of God's character, his person. God's love, there is no sense of conflict with his holiness, righteous justice, or even his wrath. Think about this. What does the Bible say? It says, love is a choice. How I know because it tells me that, that God demonstrated his love while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, the God in heaven didn't go, hey, I love y'all. Good luck getting up here. Not for you. He goes, no, I love you, and I'm going to show you by sending my son to die. That's a demonstration. So love is a verb. It's a choice. It's a choice we make every single day. You go, what else? Number two, biblical love is not selfish but sacrificing. Biblical love, guys, is not selfish. It says, in this, the love of God was manifest toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. If we're going to love, it's not selfish, it's self-sacrificing. Isn't that so opposite of who we are? We want to be loved, we want to love, but we don't realize that, that for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave. So we know it's not selfish. Biblical love is not selfish, it's giving, it's sacrificing. Now, how is it a sacrifice? Well, think about this. Let's talk about it in terms of giving. If you had $100,000 in the bank and somebody asked you for $500, family member comes and be, I know you, you know, I need $500, blah, blah, blah. You having 100000 it's not going to be a big deal. You'll be like, oh, no problem. There you go. It's That's not a sacrifice, is it? But if you have $500 in the bank and somebody really needs $500, That's a sacrifice to give him. But you would do it out of love. Okay, I got to do this. By the way, I need $500. Anybody got it? No? It's just a joke. Everybody breathe. I'm just kidding. Number three, biblical love, guys, is infectious. It's infectious. Okay? He says, beloved, if God so loved us, can I get an amen? Amen. We also ought to love one another. It's infectious. If his love is in us and through us, that's, that should, that, that's what should be coming out. That's what should be coming out, guys. It's infectious. It's infectious. We should be so in love with God that that's all that comes out of us, like, like the flu. You know what I mean? Everybody's like, it's the flu. Get away from me. You're infected. I'm infected. I'm, right? I'm contagious. I'm contagious. How cool would that be? What's the matter? I'm contagious. What do you got? The love of Jesus. I'm contagious. Why? It should be infectious. We cannot, guys, I mean, listen, listen. I mean, how infectious can we be if we are a Christian Eeyore? Right, I don't I mean I mean, you know, all the friends still want to hang out with Eeyore, right? They still do, but he's not he's not the funnest guy in the bunch. You know who's infectious? Digger. Digger. He's always happy, bouncing around. Can you imagine? No, I don't want to be that guy. I wanna be that guy. What's wrong with you? Just love Jesus. It's infectious. It's infectious. Or or do you wanna be Eeyore? you want to be Eeyore? Okay. How, how's it going? Oh pretty good. What's the matter? I'm a Christian. Do you want to be one too? Biblical love is infectious. Let me ask you a question. You ready? How many people in the body of Christ, they live with bitterness and anger and resentment and yet claim to love God? I was like, wow. Wow. Busted can't be trusted. I'm telling you right now, this is what's happening right now. I'm writing this down going, okay, Lord, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this because sometimes we get, we get bitter, we get angry. And it's like, but I love God, do you? Because God said, if, if God so loved us, uh, we also ought to love one another. We also ought to love one another. Number four, biblical love is evident. It's evident. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. It's evident. People know. We've got to be so careful that we're not confused, that people aren't confused with just being a good old boy. Right? Just, just have a good upbringing, that we're just good. But it's, it's, but it's his love that's evident in our lives. Later on, guys, if you look, look at over at verse 20, same chapter. John chapter 4, verse 20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Ooh, wow! How can we say... I love God and hate his brother. He says, you're a liar. You're a liar. The pastor said that. No, I didn't say that. John did. How can you how can you you you, you not love your brother who you've seen and, and love God whom you haven't seen? Guys, it's evident. It's evident in us. Now, what we need to understand is that, that we're not always walking around with the giant smile on our face, and we're just a happy-go, Mr. Mr. Fun Let's not, I mean, let's understand that, okay? Okay, I'm looking at Josh because that's what the kids call him, Mr. He's just always, I get it. There are days when, when we have bad days, right? There are days, I mean, when, when life isn't going that great. I understand that, guys, but but his his love still should be evident in our lives. And we cannot say that we love God and treat each other like garbage. We can't. We can't. Because God is love. And if God is love, he's living in us. That's biblical love, right? That's biblical love. Now say goodbye. Say goodbye to First John and go over to Galatians 5. You guys know this, okay? This is what biblical love looks like. Galatians chapter 5, picking it up in verse 22, it says, Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now, here's what I want you to know in Galatians chapter 5. I want you to note the singular. It says the fruit, not fruits, there's the fruit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love. And within love, guys, there's joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay. So you go, well, what does it look like? Okay, so we should, again, remember, if the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to what? To build up the body of Christ, well, now we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and this should be evident, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love, and in that should be joy. I got joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, right? That's that's joy. We should have that. He says, but, but another fruit of the Spirit is peace. Do you have peace in your heart? Do you have peace in your home? That's a fruit of the Spirit, is there peace? What's the opposite of peace? Probably strife, probably just all of that, right? This is, this is something that... Now, picture yourself a big old tree, and you're going to bear fruit, right? And you're going to bear fruit. And now, Oh, there's some love, there's some love, there's some joy, Right? And 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 somebody's gonna pick out, go, man, listen, I, I've noticed that you've gone through a lot of stuff, but you've got this peace. I don't understand. Well, it's the fruit of the spirit in me. You go, well, what else? Well, another another one, guys. Tick take this out. Long suffering. Or patience. I didn't get an amen on that, right? Patience is one of the hardest things. Lord, give me patience, please. I'm gonna kill them. Wait well, it's the fruit of the spirit, it's patience. Be patient. Right? Have patience have patience. Don't be in such a hurry when you get impatient, right? I mean, just, we got to have patience, like long-suffering. Kindness. Kindness. We're not kind. We got to be kind. How about goodness? How about faithfulness? Are you gentle? Are you gentle? And, and, and again, think about this. That this, is, this is what biblical love looks like. It's the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in us. We know what it is. Here it comes through, and now we see. Now, here's what the Lord said, okay? Here's what the Lord said. I want to remind you what Jesus taught himself. In John chapter 13, verse 35, it says, By, all, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, notice he didn't say, if you know all the scriptures. People will know my disciples if you have a great memory, if you just have memory verse. People will know you're my disciples. People will know my disciples by how you dress, if you wear cowboy boots or not. People will know you're my disciples by the theology degree you have. People will know you're my... No, guys, listen. He says it really. He says, people will know that you're much more than a Christian, that you're my disciple. By the love you have one for another. One for another. Love is hard, isn't it? It's easy to love those that are easy, but sometimes God will bring somebody who's hard to love. Hard to love. He'll put them in your life. And you're going, man, they're in my life. I don't just uh. <sighs> God, what are you trying to teach me? I want you to love. This person is just hard to love. Am I talking to anybody? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, God will bring somebody in your life that you go, this a fortune to love. And he's going, but you got to love, you got to love. Because people will know you're my disciples by the love. So here's the thing. If you go, I want to learn biblical love. Don't be surprised if tomorrow God should bring somebody to your job. <laughs> here's your new coworker. Oh, I'll tell you what. I never had that happen to me. When I was in Missouri, I remember God brought another delivery guy. That I really wanted to love. (laughs) One of us was gonna get out of the truck alive. I'm telling you, not two of us. I am no, I'm not kidding. You know that one person that just loves you. Oh, everybody else is running this way, he decides to run this way. You just know, you're just like,
0: oh.
1: What did God do? He taught me to love. Because people will know, guys, that we're his disciples by the love we have one for another. You know what that means? Listen, it doesn't just love the lovables. It's loving the unlovables. It's loving the down and outers. It's loving the messed ups, the crazies, the strangies. You guys know what I'm talking about? What would our our lives look like if we purpose to love who God brings to us? Well... But well, that is our intro. We got three verses, so we're going to move pretty fast, okay? Let's jump into our text. Verse 1 of chapter 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but not have love, I have become what? A sounding brass or clanging cymbals. Guys, look at the first thing he says. The Greek here is glossia, and it means languages. And he says, that I speak of, when I speak of languages of men... And of angels, he says, I can speak that. And, and, and here's the thing. Listen, if, if I do that, right, and I don't have love, I sound like this. How about that? That's what it, this is what it sounds like. When, when, when I want to speak and basically, and I have love, it's like. That's not fun. Sister Lisa went, because it's a no. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Guys, if I'm, if, I, if I'm doing, remember, the Corinthian church, if, if you're speaking in tongues and, and, and you guys don't have any love, listen, I'm showing you a better way. And may your sound like a brass cymbal. Why? Well, think about languages for a second, right? Languages can do what? It can edify, encourage, communicate the things of God. According to the text, the heavenly language edifies us, but without biblical love, it's simply noise. It's simply noise. See, love has to be what? Evident, infectious, self-sacrificing. Well, what, what's the term that Paul uses? Well, if you're taking note, I find it interesting because he says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but not have love. Now, there's different kinds of love, right? But Paul employs the term agape, agape. That's self-sacrificing love. He doesn't use the term phileo or eros or any of those other ones, right? He says, this is agape. This is life-changing. He says, without it, He says, man, I am like that brass. I'm like clang, clang. Verse 2, although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, he says, I am nothing. Remember, prophecy is God talking to man. And even if I am the world's greatest communicator speaking God's world, here's what he says. If I don't have love, I am nothing. Notice, he says, if I understand all mysteries, can you imagine? Come speak to me. I can tell you everything there is to know. If I had all knowledge, I can tell you, right? Nobody has that. If he said, if I had faith, now, it says to move mountains, but we don't have any mountains in Lubbock, so I don't know how to reference that, you know. But if you, had, if, if you went somewhere where there's mountains and you had faith, you say to that mountain, be gone. And he said, if you had all that, he says, but here's the thing, guys. He says, but if you don't have love, he says, you're nothing. You're nothing. Here's the bottom line. You ready? People don't care how much you know. Until they know how much you care. We could you know, you can have the best you can be the best communicator of God's word, you can be the most eloquent. Every word could be precise and on pause and, and so forth. But what I've discovered is that people want to know, do you have a shepherd's heart? Do you care? Do you have love? Pastor, are you willing to are you willing to cry? With me. Are you willing to walk with me through these things? That's what that's 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 what he's saying, guys. I I I could have all the the greatest faith there is, but but the essence, guys, the key is love. But that's not enough. Paul takes it to another level. Look at verse three. He says, "And although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and although I have my body to and I give my body to be burned." but not have love, it profits me nothing. In other words, guys, he is now taking it to this, I mean, here's what he's saying. He says, if I gave everything, I want you to think, think about your bank account. You went and you sold everything, cleared out your bank account, and, and he said, I gave my money to the poor. Now, in the Greek rendering, it's very interesting, guys, because what it means is basically, it means this. To feed the poor, I will sell everything just to give one bite of food to everyone. That's what it means. So he goes, "Okay, okay, I'm going to sell all the, I'm, I'm going to sell all my stuff. I'm going to sell it. Okay, I'm put on Craigslist, put on eBay. We're going to have garage sale, everything. And all the money I get, if I can just give one bite of food to everybody, that's what I would do. If I burn my body." If I sacrificed myself, that's what he says, guys. If I give my body to be burned and still not be hurt is really what he's saying. He says, but, but I don't love you. He says, then it profits me nothing. It profits me nothing. If I give my body in a self-sacrificing way and I don't have and I don't love others, he says, then, then I gain nothing. I gain nothing. I'm starting to think love is key. Love is key. I think that's, that's the essence of who we are, right? We asked the question at the beginning of our study, what does love have to do with it, right? What's love got to do with it? You know what Paul says? Without love, he says, you're simply making noise. You are nothing, and you haven't made an impact. Ooh, it's safe, it's, it's pretty safe to say that love has everything to do with it. So where does that leave us? Well, as we close our study, where does that leave us? It leaves us as where we've got to do a heart check, okay? We, Lord, do I have this biblical love? Am I walking in it? Lord, show me. Tina sang that it was a secondhand emotion and a sweet old, old-fashioned notion. But Paul writes, he says, no, love is the essence of who we are. It is God and God in us. Our motivation has to be love, biblical love, guys. Without it, we're like the Corinthians. We're making noise, and we're not saying anything. Well, what should I do, Pastor? What should I take away? Here's the thing, guys. Again, we need to do spiritual inventory. We need to check, is my love... (coughs) Is my love self-sacrificing? Do I love you, Jesus, so much, and do I love people that I'm willing to sacrifice what I have? Is is my love infectious? Is it infectious? People want to be around me as as if, man, man, I just like hanging around you. You just... Is love evident? Is love evident in your life? You see, because love encompasses a lot more than just, well, I I love, but it encompasses forgiveness. It encompasses grace, mercy. Married people, it encompasses patience with each other it does but is it evident is it evident next week okay you have to be here Jay you have to be here because you're going to miss it Jay next week we're going to see how love behaves in the life of a believer make sure you're here Father we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word we thank you for your grace and your mercy we love you so much in Jesus' name we
0: pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on Calvarychapelubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast.